0: There are various considerations to take into account for voters who are heading into the polls tomorrow. These include the cost of living, action on climate change, and a strenuous push for integrity in public office. On the eve of the federal election, our guest this episode is Michelle O'Neill, who's the president of the ACTU. Ms. O'Neill discusses with us the importance of the next federal government legislating with an emphasis on the needs and concerns of working Australians. And just a note to all our regular listeners next week is obviously our annual conference, and as such, there will be a week's delay between podcasts, so you'll hear us again the following week. Thanks again. Michelle, thanks for being with us on the podcast today. Uh, We know your time is limited and the election is tomorrow, uh, but we really appreciate it. Thanks again.
1: No, it's a a pleasure, Jim. Um, I'm really happy to be on it and yeah, we're in the countdown phase now.
0: Here we go. Michelle, through your capacity as president of the ACTU, what does the union movement hope for uh, in terms of policy uh, from the incoming um, government, whoever it is uh, decided to be?
1: Well, what we know is that working people have really suffered under nearly a decade now of Scott Morrison and the LNP governments. We've seen the longest period of um, having wages flatline and now going back backwards in real, times, real terms that we've ever seen. So what that means in practical ways is that working people's wages are not keeping up with the cost of living and we know that just in this year alone the average worker stands to lose $4,000 um, in that difference between wages and prices that's a a shocking figure and it's shocking when you think of the reality of what it means for so many workers. Uh, The other thing, of course, that's happened over this period of time as well as wages um, growth being so low is that we've also seen this rise in insecure work. So the number of workers now who are in casual jobs, contract jobs, labour hire jobs, gig economy jobs uh, um, has grown enormously. And of course, all of those jobs jobs where people can't really rely on them. You don't know uh, how much you're going to earn month to month year to year. Makes it really tough to plan a life um, and really affects people's quality of life as well and you're also more likely to be low paid if your job is insecure you're more likely to face danger at work either in terms of generally safety but also as far as harassment and bullying goes so all of these things combined to say we need a change of government is our view, but mm. also what we're looking for in a change of government is things that would make a real difference. So we want to see a support for workers' wages going up. A public, in the public sector, of course, that is a critical decision of governments. So you're in the fight at the moment with the New South Wales government That's about right. getting them to recognise how important it is to lift wages of New South Wales public sector workers. Exactly. So of course, the, fe- the federal government could lead the way on this. Um, they could lead the way by removing their own public sector pay caps and giving a real pay increase to workers in the public sector federally and they should lead the way as a responsible employer. The other thing we, of course, want to see a federal government do is support a lift in the minimum wage. One in four workers is dependent on their annual wage review for a lift in their wages and the union movements in there saying that we want to see a real increase of five point five percent in wages in the um, in the minimum wage case that's happening at the moment. And the last one I'd mention on wages is a real example of um, something practical a federal government could do would be to um, support the claim of uh, the age sector workers in aged care to have a real reevaluation of their work and a lift in the pay for uh, workers in aged care. All of this, of course, w- the other things that would make a real difference, and this is part of the aged care story, is that we also need to have better laws about pay equity. You know, women still earn $483 less a week than men do in Australia, which is a shocking figure mm. in 2022. So we want to see laws that deliver genuine equal pay in our um, workplace laws. We also think uh, that importance of having um, an expert group within the Fair Work Commission that can look at all these issues that um, mean that we don't have gender equity in workplaces and of course we want to see all 55 of those recommendations of respect at work um, put into law so that we really Uh, do see an improvement in safety
0: in the workplace. So it's a big job ahead. And, you know, like uh, I know that the, I note that the federal government is buoyed by the uh, low unemployment um, figures, yet, you know, uh, what you've just addressed there, uh, uh, one one point was that, you know, the federal government could lead the way in uh, not putting cap on public sector wages uh, in, uh, you know, sending a message to the private sector, yet... This week, the, uh, Josh Frydenberg has announced the opposite, an efficiency dividend of public sector wages in order to pay for some of his election promises. I mean, these messages, what does it, what, what does it mean? Does it send a message that uh, the federal government isn't serious about tackling issues that workers are going to face in the next three years?
1: I think it's really clear that the Morrison government doesn't get it, and not only they not get it. In fact, they've made decisions that are deliberately designed to keep wages low and to make jobs more insecure. And that was a disgraceful uh, announcement this week about the Federal Public Service uh, to announce a $3.3 billion of cuts um, over a four-year period, and is a massive amount of cuts, and we know what that means is... Uh, five and a half thousand jobs are at risk as a result of that. And and like with your campaign in terms of New South Wales public sector workers, these are the workers in the public sector at a state and a federal level that we've relied on, your members and the federal um, members of the CPSU too, that we've relied on so much during uh, things like the bushfires, the floods and the pandemic. I mean, often the work that's done by many public sector workers is behind the scenes. But what we know and has been so obvious during these crises is that if we don't have a well resourced, supported, experienced, skilled, team of public sector workers then it leaves the whole community at risk so it is a a particularly vicious announcement in a public um, to cut the public sector during um, an election campaign and and I hope people see it for what it is which is this is not just bad for workers, it's actually bad for community services and public services and it's bad for the economy.
0: And I just wanted to bring you back to an issue that you touched upon and that's about un- underemployment. I, mean, I note obviously the, also that the unemployment figures are low at the moment, but but there really hasn't been much of an emphasis on um, uh, under, underemployment, casual employment, um, uh, this campaign. Uh, it's mostly been dismissed by some pundits, especially the Australian Financial Review, but... It does remain an issue to be tackling uh, and, it, and it does pose long-term threats to, I guess, the Australian workforce.
1: It does, Jim, because what we see with underemployment is that there's more workers than we've ever had in Australia before having to work two, three, or four jobs just to get by. And that that is, you know, the, the fact that you have to work multiple jobs to make the equivalent of one income yeah, is is a terrible thing, and and of course, what it does is um, mean that people have really insecure incomes. How do you ever, you know, sign a lease for a rental property? Let alone ever get into the housing market as a purchaser mm. um, if your jobs are insecure and and the underemployment, of course, is also an issue for women, uh, particularly who are wanting to get back into the workforce when they've had children. Mm. And what we know is that the figures are hiding the fact that there's hundreds of thousands of women who want to work or want to work additional hours, but because of the high cost of childcare, they can't. It, it becomes, you know, they end up losing money from working extra days because the childcare cost are so expensive. That's another really important difference in what's been um, uh, announced as part of the election campaign. We've seen that very strong commitment from Labor about changing childcare and making it more affordable. That would make a massive difference for underemployment because it would mean that women um, and men, but uh, women in particular, are affected by this, being able to go back into the workforce, force and work the additional hours and days that they want to work that's good for them but it's good for men as well and it's also good because it increases productivity increases participation rate and uh, everybody wins out of that and again you see the Morrison government just sort of stubbornly refusing to understand or acknowledge how expensive, inaccessible childcare is really affecting people's ability to do the work they want to do and get the incomes they need.
0: Do you think that the issue of insecure work and underemployment um, uh, from an ACTU's perspective hasn't been uh, addressed strongly enough? I mean, uh, it feels as if uh, 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 the the major parties to a certain extent look at the unemployment rate, see that it's low and it's happy sailing, but but the fundamental core issues aren't addressed as you've just eloquently addressed them? And do you think this should be rectified going forward?
1: I think it's a really important issue because uh, it's it's so inaccurate to just talk about the headline unemployment figure and not to really dig down and understand what's happening as far as work and jobs. Mm. And if we don't... uh, and, the, and there's a really clear connection about why wages have been low and this issue of insecure work and underemployment as well because if you're in insecure work, it's it's much harder um, to be organised and uh, exercise power to win better pay increases and join with others in unions. All of those things become tougher. And so I think this link between the quality of jobs uh, and the security of jobs is a really critical link. You can't say, oh, well, this has already been proven to be wrong. The old economic theory used to be if unemployment became low, wages would go up. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a broken theory. It does not work anymore. And one of the reasons it doesn't work is because people, workers' bargaining power is so diminished if you're in insecure work. Mm-hmm. So we really need to address this. I think we, we need to look at having a fairer system around... Bargaining more secure jobs. I think on there's been a few announcements that go to this. The uh, the announcements around saving jobs, saying pay for labour hire that the uh, Labor opposition have announced is a really good policy because one of the reasons that governments and private companies use labour hire is because it's a cost cutting exercise. And if you had that clear law that you can't have people doing the same job and have one paid less because you've outsourced it to a labour hire firm, I think that would make a big difference around job security too.
0: Absolutely. So just pivoting away, uh, this recently, the Fair Work Commission has given its in-principle support to vary uh, the awards for around 2.3 million workers to include annual entitlements of 10 days paid family and domestic violence leave. It's a huge, a huge shift in policy. Uh, why is it? I mean, it's without it's very, it goes without saying, but why does the ACTU that believe that it's so important to legislate for the next government?
1: Well, the first thing I'd say is congratulations to all the thousands and thousands of union members around the country who've been behind this win. This is something that unions, including your own, have been campaigning for. For decades, we were the first uh, union movement in the world to win paid family and domestic violence leave through bargaining and agreements. But, of course, we know that doesn't cover all workers and That's why we ran this case to try and win it in awards, which is what was decided this week, a fantastic victory of 10 days paid family and domestic violence leave in awards. Uh, But we know to be able to make sure that it's a universal right that every worker who needs to access this can, we need to see it in the national employment standards. And that, it shouldn't depend on who you work for or where you work or what industry you're in. If you need to, Uh, access paid leave and you're experiencing family and domestic violence, it's literally a life-saving right. Mm. And, And we can't have it depend on the vagaries of who you happen to work for or where you work. So that's why we think it needs to be legislated and put in the National Employment Standards and we're going to keep fighting till we win that. Again, the federal government, voted last year, we got within one vote of this getting through federal parliament and it was the Morrison government with the vote of Pauline Hanson that defeated that amendment mm. and uh, And we're really pleased to um, to know that the Labor Party have committed if they are elected uh, to legislating for 10 days paid family domestic violence leave in the National Employment Standards.
0: Now, for any uh, listeners who may not be aware of the the details uh, that may be associated with uh, someone who needs to access uh, paid domestic violence leave, are you able to give us a bit of a history on why it's important for people to access uh, such a a policy?
1: Yeah, uh, Jim, it's important because what we know, and this has been uh, independently verified, is that if, uh, if a woman is ex- escaping family and domestic violence, then the cost involved in doing things like finding a new place to live, changing schools, changing housing, going to the police, going to lawyers, going to court cases, that you can just think about the multitude of things that cost time and money mm-hmm. to keep yourself and your children safe. Mm. It, it, if someone's faced with that terrible Choice between do I do all these things or do I lose my job or my income? Then, then that is an impossible choice because, of course, economic security is so critical to safety, and we that's why this is such an important win and such an important thing to have available to every worker. It, it really is a life or death issue that, uh, and too many times. Uh, the the choice has been that women, uh, all men who are experiencing family and domestic violence stay in, uh, are fearful about losing their job or their income and therefore can't make the decisions they need to make to be safe. And we've already seen 18 women lose their lives in Australia this year at the hands of a current partner or former partner. Uh, this is, is a shocking Bigger and and a tragedy that everything we can do to keep people safe we can we should do and the workplace is a really important part of this and it's also as well as the practical assistance getting access to that leave makes for someone it also sends a message that this is an issue in our community and something that we do need to change and and so it has a really important role in People understanding that it is a serious issue that we need to change people's understanding and the culture around too. So I think it's got that as a benefit too.
0: Well, it's a big agenda for whoever takes the reins of the Australian Federal Government after Saturday and we really appreciate your time specifically, Michelle, uh, on the podcast today considering your busy schedule. Thanks again. Good luck on the weekend and we hope to speak to you again soon.
1: Thanks very much, Jim, and uh, solidarity to all your members and and good luck with the election, but also with your really important campaign to win pay rises for public sector workers in New South Wales.
0: Protect yourself at work. Call the PSA today on 1300 772 679 or head to psa.asn.au.